0: Good morning, church. It is so great to see you. We are so blessed to be here together. Uh, before I share the announcements with you, I have to share something. We have some great, we have grandparents in the house today. A uh, new baby girl was born on Friday, uh, David and Marcia Elder. Marcia's back there. Our grandparents, Brandon and Amber, had a little baby girl on Friday. We're excited for them. I think that makes five. That's a lot, right? That's, that's a lot. <laughs> that's good. Um, if you're new here, we'd love to connect with you, and there's a couple ways you can do that. You can either go out into the atrium to the welcome desk and fill out a connect card, or you can do that digitally online. We've set up a platform for you. And the phone number is 904 441 6900, and you can just put the word connect to text that if you would like to fill it, or if you have any questions, you, or fill out a card. We'd love that. Also, you can text the word NEWS to the same number, and that will give you all the information going on in the church and all the things that you see in your bulletin as well during the week. So we'd we'd love for you to do that. Uh, Just a couple of things I want to highlight uh, this afternoon at 1 o'clock at St. Augustine Beach. There is a beach baptism, and that is on 10th Street at 1 o'clock. And if, you know, for a reason you've not ever been and seen one, I encourage you to go. If the Lord has laid it on your heart to be baptized and you'd like to do that, um, just talk to the staff and we can make that happen this afternoon. If you're willing and able, I think the water's pretty good now. So I'd say yes, yay, go God, right? Amen. Um, Also May the 22nd, which is next Sunday at four o'clock, we will be having a called uh, congregational meeting. And that is to talk about and vote on going forward with building the uh, Life Family Center building that we'll be starting. Uh, so I encourage you to come to that meeting. That will be over in the CLC uh, at 4 o'clock. And then if you have questions, though, Wednesday, 6 o'clock, in this room, question and answer time. So I would encourage you to do that. If you have a question and you want some answers, we can give those to you as well. Uh, ladies, uh, June 1st, I just want to encourage you to come to that as well. It is our kickoff for the summer. and We just have a good party and time together, and we're just going to have a blast, actually. I encourage you. You'll have a blessed week. Thank you.
1: So, as Judy mentioned, yes, we do now have five. So we've got the uh, we've got the basketball team, but we don't have a bench. We don't have any subs that can come in yet. So we're hoping to uh, maybe expand the league a little more. But that's not my decision. But we will take any that they want to bring on. We read in in 2 Chronicles of the dedication service for Israel's first temple. That's the one that was built by Solomon. God's word says, The trumpeters and musicians joined in unison to give praise and thanks to the Lord. Accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments, the singers raised their voices in praise to the Lord and sang, He is good. His love endures forever. Then the temple of the Lord was filled with the cloud, And the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. So the people did what only they could do. They filled the house with praise. In response, God did what only he could do. He filled it with glory. Fill this place
2: with the praise of the God. Lift him high, glorify the ancient of days. Oh, ye saints, lift your hand, lift your hand. we Thank you the depth of your love. You are beautiful beyond description, majesty enthroned above. And I stand Say. Mm-hmm.
1: standing in awe of God. That was not an original idea with the writer of that song we just sang. It's something that the people of God have been doing for generations. We read way back in the Psalms that all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. Well, the question then arises, why? Why do we stand in awe before God? Well, the author of the 33rd Psalm gives several reasons, including this one. It's found in verses 13 through 15. Would you read this with me? The Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all the children of man. From where he sits enthroned, he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all and observes all their deeds. Wow. God sees all. He sees all of us, and he sees all that we do. Now, that knowledge can bring either great comfort or great conviction. You see, when we're hurting or in trouble, we can remember that God sees us, and we can say, oh, joy. But when we're sinning, when we're doing the wrong things, we can remember that God sees us, and we can say, oh, boy. Because it's a hard reality of life that we are all sinners. The Bible makes that abundantly clear. It says in Romans that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But the good news, the gospel tells us that God made a way for us to be right with him. God spoke through the prophet Ezekiel and said these words. Would you read these with me? They shall not defile themselves anymore with their idols and their detestable things or with any of their transgressions. But I will save them from all the backslidings in which they have sinned and will cleanse them. And they shall be my people and I will be their God. And when we truly grasp that the holy, perfect God looked down from heaven and saw a sinful, strained human race and said, I love them. And I'm going to send my son to die and pay the penalty for their sins. Well, there's only one way to appropriately respond. We kneel in contrition and confession, and then we stand at all to give him the glory that he alone deserves. So let's enter into a season of prayer. We're going to do this two ways. We're going to do a silent time of prayer where each of us, in the privacy of our own heart, we can speak to God. We can ask that spirit that indwells believers to reveal to us those uh, things that we've said or done that we shouldn't have, or the things we should have said or done that we neglected to do. These are all sins. We're going to ask that spirit to bring those sins to our to our mind so we can then confess them. And remember, when we confess, we're not telling God secrets. We're not airing our dirty laundry. He, he saw it. He was there when we were doing it or saying it or not doing or not saying what we should have done or said. But we're merely, when we confess, we are agreeing with God. That what he says is true. We ask for forgiveness. At the end of that time where we do that silently and individually, there will be a prayer on the screen. And if that prayer on the screen is a true prayer of your heart, I'll invite you at that time to join with your brothers and sisters as a body as we together, as a body, uh, proclaim our dependence on God. So, first of all, individually and silently, let's go before God. As the Spirit brings things to mind, confess them, repent of them, and ask forgiveness. And if the words on the screen are the true prayer of your heart, then would you pray this with me? Heavenly Father, you have loved us with an everlasting love, but we have gone our own way and broken your laws. We are sorry for our sins and turn away from them. For the sake of your Son who died for us, forgive us, cleanse us, and change us. By your Holy Spirit, enable us to live for you and to please you more and more. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. When God's people confessed and turned from their sins, his word tells us you forgave the iniquity of your people. You covered all their sin. You withdrew all your wrath. You turned from your hot anger. So Jesus satisfied God's holy judgment of sin on our behalf. To God be the glory. Let's stand and sing that.
2: We Oh the-
3: Let's go before the throne of grace together as we thank the Lord for all that he has given us as a church, as individuals, as we rejoice in the fact that we can be a part of his family and be a part of his family here at Anastasia. So let's pray together. Father God, I do thank you again for the offering that was given this morning. I thank you for the up and coming poss- possibility of having a new building for to reach out for to more children And, Lord, I thank you for the uh, children's program this past Wednesday. Some 70 kids standing up here on the stage over in the CLC singing your glory. And, Lord, that's what it's all about. That's our next generation, and I rejoice in that. So as the offering is given, the tithes are given, and I just thank you for that. Lord, use that resource for your glory in Jesus' name. Be
2: you made the starry host, you trace the mountain peaks, you paint the evening sky. See, all nature testifies your splendor. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, sing his greatness. All creation, praise the Lord, praise your voice, you heights and all furthest east to west. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. You reached into the dust. With love your spirit breathed. You formed a sin
4: I'm excited this morning to be able to come and share a message to you today about helping the sick in our community. Thank you, Pastor David, for that message and song. And, you know, you need to pray for Pastor David because there's a little granddaughter in the family now. He might not know how to respond to that. That's a different thing for him. He's just a boys, So y'all say a special prayer uh pastor david congratulations and to pastor brandon and amber um so i have a question for you this morning how many of you would would admit that you regularly hit the gym not many hands are going up (laughs) how many how many we probably need to be in the gym right you know that's a different that's a different thing Um, you know, but really don't call them gyms so much nowadays, but they call them wellness centers. I guess it sounds better. I'm going to the wellness center today. It sounds a little bit better than going to the gym. Um, and that's kind of the, you know, in whole sectors of our society, um, it's kind of a thing. There's well, big emphasis on wellness, physical wellness, um, mental health, mental wellness. You know, Jesus in in some ways was ahead of his time for he was a spiritual doctor and he was very much interested in spiritual wellness. He was there uh, to help those who were sick. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I invite you to open up to Mark, Gospel of Mark chapter 2, and we're going to be in verses 13 through 17 today. If you didn't bring your Bible, there should be one in the pew rack in front of you. Uh, hopefully you have an app on your phone that's a Bible app And uh, also the, the, uh, the passage will be on the screen uh, up above me there So I invite you to stand now as we uh, stand in honor of his holy and precious word Starting in verse 13 He went out again beside the sea And all the crowd was coming to him And he was teaching them And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as he reclined at table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with the sinners and tax collectors, said to the disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. There is a universal truth conveyed in the scriptures that is true even down to today. And that truth is that no one likes paying taxes. You know, you guys are better than the the service over there. you, you You know, amen to that. Nobody likes paying taxes. And it was very much true back in that day and age Tax collectors were really disliked. They were hated. Now let me tell you why. They had a really sweet deal from the Romans. This was the deal. The Romans would say, I want to collect 50% taxes. And they would do that. And basically the Romans would say, anything that you can collect over that amount is yours to keep. And guess what? You've got the full Roman army behind you. And so Basically, the people were being gouged. Some commentators feel they were taxed at a rate between 80 and 90%. Can you imagine that in your own personal financial life, in your family? You're really struggling to put shelter over your head, to put food in your children's mouth. The basic necessities were all you're focused on because it was all you could afford because you were being taxed so much. And because of this deal that the tax collectors had, they abused that authority and they taxed the people as much as they possibly could. They became very rich. But as you can imagine, they were very unpopular and they were very lonely. There's another thing that we need to understand in this passage. There's a lot of disciples there. And to be a disciple of Jesus back then was a little different. Um, You had to be all in, okay? Okay. You followed, you notice that it said that they followed him. You basically left your job, you left what you're doing and you followed Jesus. You walked where he walked, you ate where he ate and, and you were literally with him 24 seven. You're listening from him, learning from him. It's, a, it's, a, it's hard for us to understand that kind of, a, of immersive type of experience, but to be a disciple back then, that's what you did. So here in this passage, you have a very interesting combination of characters. Then you've got, you've got Levi, this tax collector. You've got the disciples and you've got a bunch of other people claiming to be followers of Jesus. And there's another group of people here, the scribes of the Pharisees. Now the scribes were a group of people. uh, They were tasked with Bible uh, interpretation, scriptures, the Torah, the, the interpretation of those things. And they did a lot of writing. They were called scribes as you know, so but there was, there was another um, an aspect of them, and, of their life, and it was really kind of why they were there at this gathering, at this dinner. They were kind of like investigative lawyers. They were watching Jesus. They wanted to see if he was gonna say something that would contradict what the scriptures would say. They weren't there just to see Jesus, but they were there uh, to try to trap him and really to try to take him out. So you have a very interesting dinner party. Have you ever been a part of a, a dinner where there was a lot of drama going on, a wedding or something, you know, there's a lot of family dynamics and it's just a lot. Yeah, this is what Jesus, I I, I think about his passage when the disciples are on the boat and it's storming and they've got their, you know, their buckets and they're bailing water and everything is going crazy all around and Jesus is over there snoozing, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, through all that stuff that's going on in that scene, Jesus is over there relaxing. He's, verse 15, he's just reclining at the table. He's chillaxing. Is that a word? Yes. And many, you know, it says many of the the tax collectors, the the sinners were there with him. Now the Bible doesn't exactly say uh, what these sinners had done, but just by association with the tax collector, Uh, you were in bad company and likely was a bunch of Levi's friends. So for some, particularly the disciples and the Jewish folks, the scribes, you know, for a Jew to be in that home was scandalous in and of itself, you know, because they're thinking, well, these tax collectors, they steal our, our wages. They embellish themselves while we struggle. And so just for Jesus to go into this house would have caused him to be questioned by some. So while all this is going on, the scribes go over to the disciples, the, the core disciples, and they're like, well, why, why is Jesus eating here? What, you know, what, what, is, he, what is he doing here? What, what's going on? Why does he eat with tax collectors? They just couldn't imagine doing that because they despised them so much. And it's interesting that the disciples, at least the scriptures, uh, don't give us their answer, but they don't, they don't answer. But Jesus hears, And he gives them the answer in verse 17. He he makes two statements that I want to be the focus for our, our message this morning. And that is, those who are well have no need of a physician, but only those who are sick. And then I, Jesus, have come not to call the righteous, but sinners. So, two things Jesus has come to help the sick. And secondly, he's come to call sinners. Let's pray. Lord, as we think about your word this morning and this message, help us to understand it, to personalize it, to apply it to our life. We pray this in Christ's name, amen. Jesus uses an analogy that we can all relate to, being sick. Has anybody ever been sick? (laughs) Everybody in this room, at some point in your life, you've been sick. It's something that we can all relate to. And I think especially over these last few years with COVID and viruses and, and sickness, it's, it's been really challenging. And I think one of the most frustrating things in life is to see somebody who is terminally ill and who is sick and who is dying and not really being able to do anything about it. If you ever gone over to the Bailey Center and hospice and be able to sit with someone and, you know, they're, they're transitioning uh, to heaven and, um, and it's that time, but, but you're, you're just simply having to be there. You don't necessarily have any power uh, to stop that process. Uh, we all can relate to being sick. And Jesus in this passage, he gets that name uh, that is used. He is the great physician. He is the, the great doctor. So not only is Jesus able to heal physically, But Jesus is able to heal spiritually. And so with this in mind, there's three things that I want to share with you this morning. And the first is that there are sick people, okay? There are sick people all around us who need to be healed by the great physician. Sick people all around us who need to be healed by the great physician. You see, if you look beyond appearances, all right? If you look beyond, there are wounded and there are sick people all around us. Let's go back to that dinner party at Levi's house just for a moment. What do you think these people are thinking? See the disciples, why are we here? Look at these fancy furnishings, the decadent food. These guys are living the high life and my family is struggling. And then you've got the scribes. This is a rabbi. He's associating with people who are in crime with the Romans. Let's see if we can catch him in something he'll say. And then you have Levi and the tax collectors. Jesus is popular. We like hanging with famous people, but I still can't believe Jesus is hanging with us, talking with us. Something is different about Jesus. He seems like he really likes us, cares about us. Sometimes it's very easy for us to get distracted by appearances, politics, being right. And we fail to realize that the people around us, people whom... If we're honest, we might not even care for them. I mean, gators, it's hard for gators to be in the same presence of Seminoles, right? I mean, you know, but you know, sometimes we're thrown into that, into that mix, you know, it's it's not easy. But you know, when we look under the hood, sometimes if we could just peel back the layers and the surface, if we really could see into people's hearts, we would see that people are hemorrhaging, they're suffocating, they're dying a slow death. And the question is, does anybody notice? Does anybody see it? Does anybody care to go across the railroad tracks, to get out in the real world, to be the hands and feet of Jesus? You see, everybody at that party had a backstory. They had an agenda, but Jesus was just there because he wanted to love on Levi. And he saw the hurt under the surface. Everyone else saw all the wealth. They saw the trappings. They see all the things that they had done to hurt people. But Jesus saw who Levi really was, a sick person that needed a savior. And that's the challenge for us to really to get into that mindset where we have that discernment to see people the way Jesus sees them. You see, if we want to find a reason not to like someone, you can find it. You know, if you, want, if you want to find a reason not to like somebody, you will find it. Can I, I want to tell you today, people are prickly. <laughs> Poke the person beside you, see if they they prickle. But Jesus saw through that exterior and he did this all the time. You remember the woman at the well coming to draw water and Jesus, he just sees right through her situation and what she's going through. He had that intuition about people He saw them and he had compassion for them. And not just that though, but he wanted to heal them. He saw them as sick and just needed a a savior who could heal them. The disciples, the scribes are so focused on their agendas, their situations. Jesus is just trying to help them see that they need to be healed. They need to be born again. We all need a a physician, right? We all need a spiritual doctor. We all need what Jesus has to connect with that great physician. Secondly, the mission of Jesus' church, the church is the people, should be to call and to rescue the spiritually dying and sick. As a church, we should never have this membership country club mentality. Just act a certain way, say a few words, say the right things, you can be a part of the club. Instead, I think it's important that we have an identity more like a mobile field hospital. Do we see people as sinners, ooh, stay away, or wounded, hurting, that need the healing touch of Jesus, struggling in a challenging world? Starving for the light that is Jesus. You know, when you've lived your whole life in darkness, light can be blinding at first. It's like cooking on a stove. It takes a while for it to warm up. And we should never assume that somebody that doesn't know Christ would act like they know Christ. They're just acting like the world, the things that they've been immersed in. And so we should see people for their potential, see people as under construction, as sick, that just simply need uh, what Jesus has to offer them. See the potential in them that Christ can change them. And I believe that Christ can transform any life. He can transform, he can take the lowest of low, the person that's done the worst, and he can totally change that person from the inside out. Truly believe that. Do you believe that this morning? Amen. I want you to imagine for a second that in your pocket, okay, you have some medicine. And you also have a friend that's dying. They're dying. They're going to die. And the medicine that you have in your pocket, if you give it to them and they'll receive it, they'll be healed. Could you imagine not giving that medicine to that person? Of course you would. Of course you would give them that medicine. Folks, we have the light of Jesus Christ. We have the good news of what he has done on the cross for our world. And we have a world out there that under the surface is struggling and hurting, and they need the love and light of Jesus Christ. Will you share the medicine? Would you give the cure? If you reverse that, if you were the sick one, wouldn't you want the cure? Absolutely. And then lastly, uh, this morning, we have to go where people are. I've discovered something that we live in the age of delivery. Don't, Don't you know it? I mean, you can get anything delivered to your house these days, Amazon, there's Uber Eats, DoorDash, Publix will deliver groceries. You don't have to go anywhere. You could even do church uh, online if you wanted to. But I want you to notice in this passage, Jesus is not just standing in the temple waiting for the sick and the lost to come to him. Jesus is out in the community. He is delivering the good news. He's delivering the message that he is a great physician that can heal. He's not just going to the obvious too, the, the lepers, the, the demon possessed. He's, he's going to everyone, even the tax collectors. You see, if we're really going to reach people, we have to get out beyond just these walls. We can't just expect that the loss are gonna come here. We have to go to where they are. We have to take this message into homes, into our communities, into our neighborhoods, and the workplace. We have to do this. Jesus models this for us. One of the things that I get to do uh, as a pastor here is I, I do some chaplain work for Flagler Health Plus, Flagler Hospital. Um, Years ago, you know, we're, we're a fairly large church and we would have people uh, in the hospital almost every day of the week. And as I was going to visit, I would notice there's a lot of people in these hospital rooms, you know, and I, I was thinking, I wonder if anybody's ministering to them and praying for them. And so uh, I was able to to do that. And uh, one of the things that I've learned is, you know, we have a lot of people in this community that they don't go to church. They They, you know, for whatever reason, they don't have a pastor that they consider their pastor, or maybe they're vacationing in this community, they're on the beach and, and they have a heart attack and, and suddenly they find themselves in the hospital with this health issue and they're scared and they're concerned and they just want somebody to, to pray with them, but they don't know anybody. And that's where uh, the chaplains uh, come in uh, at the hospital. And, and we really feel that gap uh, for people that don't feel that church connection. Um, it's a great way for me that I have found to, to get out in the community and to be uh, the hands and feet of Jesus uh, there in the hospital. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's many, uh, there are many uh, tax collectors and sinners there that you may ask in this, in this story, you know, say, why did, they, why did they follow Jesus? Why did they go after him? And it's because they were being loved. Instead of receiving stones being cast upon them Jesus is welcoming them. He's reclining with them. He's eating and he's, he's hanging out with these people. And there's a legitimate question that when you start talking about this, that could be asked. He said, Bobby, well, don't we need to be careful about the places and the people that we hang around? Well, yeah, we do. 1 Corinthians 15, it says, bad company corrupts good character. When my girls were younger, I used to tell them that all the time. When they're friends, the friends that they hang out with, But it's true even for us, all adults, everyone. Bad company corrupts good characters. Yes, we need to be cautious about the places that we're in, the people that we hang around. Those people can have influence on us. But we are still called to go out. Maybe it's not so much that these people, like the tax collectors, were bad people, but they were forgotten. They were unloved. Unloved. They were starving for connection. Were they perfect? No. Did they make mistakes? Yes. But the love of Jesus could redeem even them. Could could redeem even them. So will you today go out? Would you be willing to minister? You may be criticized. Jesus was. But... His mission and our mission to the sick to the dying to the lost compels us compels us to go out and do this. There's a story shared by Louis Giglio that has profoundly impacted me uh, and I want to share it with you this morning. There's a man on a bus. He's in the city. Bus is about half empty and uh, there's a the bus stops at the next stop and there's a, a homeless man that gets on the bus and everybody begins to shift in their seat because they're like, I don't want him sitting next to me, right? And as he walks down the aisle, people can smell the, the body odor smells and they see the dirt and the filth. And suddenly some, something unexpected happens. The man begins to shake he's having a seizure and he falls down the center of the aisle of a bus and foam begins to come forth from his mouth and everybody begins to back away, ugh. And then he stops breathing and that man that was on that bus looks around and suddenly he realizes what he has to do. While everybody is backing away, he steps forward. He over The overcoming smell, he, he pushes through that. He begins to give CPR. He takes his fingers and brushes the foam away from the lips of the homeless man and gives mouth-to-mouth resuscitation to breathe life into the dead body. And I asked myself that question, would I do that? Would I be willing to touch lip to lip when suddenly God says to me, Bobby, that's what I did for you. You are the homeless man. You were dead in your sin, in your filth, in your dirt. And I looked upon you and died for you. Gave my very breath, my very life so that you could live. Jesus's mission was to the lost. It was to the hurting, it was to the unlovely. And like an onion, if you can pull back the layers of the surface of people's life, you'll see a lot of people that look a lot like you. They have the same hurts. They have the same struggles. They have the same fears and needs. But the question is, will anyone step forward? Will anyone step forward and give them the light of Jesus? To give them the medicine from the great physician. See, that's our job as a church. That's what he's called us to do. He's given us that great commission to go forward, to make disciples. Let's pray. Lord God, you gave your life so that we might live. Lord, we need to understand that everyone without Christ is sick. They need a doctor, they need a spiritual physician. Lord, we all fall short, For short, we all miss the mark. We all need to be healed. It is my prayer today, Lord, if there's anyone that is spiritually sick today, they've never received the healing touch of Jesus, uh, that God, that they would do so today. They would put their faith, their trust Lord, and what you did on the cross. But God, perhaps you've also put, put a name, a face on our mind this morning, somebody that needs the great physician. And God, we pray that you would give us boldness to share the light, boldness to give the spiritual CPR, God, to those who are dying, to be willing to get in the, uh, in the midst of all the dirt and the grime, God and to be your hands and feet. So Lord, thank you for how you love us. In Jesus name, amen. Pastor David is here. We're gonna stand and sing a hymn of invitation, invite you to stand at this time. If you, if you don't have a church home, we invite you to come and officially make that official. If you've never been baptized, this is an opportunity to respond. Yeah, everybody go ahead and stand up, it's all good. Uh, but I, I would challenge you that if the Lord is speaking to you this morning, that you would take a step of faith. The first step is always the hardest. Take a step of faith. Do what Jesus has called you to do. Pastor David.
2: I must tell Jesus all of my trials. I cannot bear. my distress, he kindly will help me. He ever loves and cares for his own. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, I cannot bear my burdens alone. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, Jesus can help I must tell Jesus all of my troubles. He is a kind, compassionate friend. If I would ask Him, He will deliver. Make up my troubles. Tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, Jesus can
1: help me, Jesus alone. Well, church, as we depart, receive your blessing from God's word. Lord, now let your servants depart in peace, for our eyes have seen your salvation through Jesus that you have prepared, a light for revelation and for glory to your people. Go out now and, like Jesus, be a friend to sinners so you can introduce them to him. And all God's people who pledged to do so said, Amen.